Welcome back to the Cover 6 Football Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Saray Poole. We have a lot to get into on today's show, so let's just get right into it. Starting with the exciting and fun news first, Jalen Ramsey has been traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a 2020 first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. The Rams had to give up a lot of ammo to get him, rightfully so. He's top two corner in the league, second, in my opinion, behind Stephon Gilmore. They need help in the secondary. Tlaib is on IR. They also traded Marcus Peters to the Baltimore Ravens for Kenny Young, a linebacker, and a fifth-round pick. The Rams had to make a move. I don't know. I, I have to grade the pick at least a C+. Ramsey's great, but that doesn't help the offense that's struggling. Your quarterback had 78 yards, 78 passing yards, I believe, this past weekend. So the offensive line is average. Girl is not 100% healthy. So there's more holes on this team than just the secondary. But this obviously was a huge need. You're not going to turn it. A chance to go get a top two corner in his prime so i mean it's again i think it's a c plus trade there's a lot more holes in this team as is the prime reason why we're not seeing the rams be the same team they were last year just more holes and i'm starting to question jared goff i know i used to, I used to back the dude i said he was a good quarterback but he is struggling right now i don't know if that's just offensive line not playing great how they were last year the run game you know and Gurley not being 100 percent. so there's a lot going on into that so Continue to look forward to that. Hopefully, golf can improve because when you add a player like this, man, with Ramsey, now you have Donald, Gurley, and golf. They have a lot of players that they are paying currently huge contracts, and they're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey huge contracts. So it will be interesting to see how they can build their roster with so many high-level players on their team making such good money. So, that, again, they're going to have to find ways to draft well, get cheap quality, maybe even veteran free agents or just you know younger guys on cheaper deals that can produce at a high level. And again, that even down the road, if those young guys or those, you know, older guys, they're performing at a very high level. You're going to have to pay those guys at some point. So they're kind of in a hard position here because they don't have the 2020 first round pick or the 2021 first round pick. And again, I mean, the draft, the bulk of your team is really made in the second and third rounds. It's not always a first round, but, you know, everybody wants that first round pick. That's a very important pick to have. Ryan Tannehill is going to start over Marcus Mariota next Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. Not that it matters. My Chargers suck right now. We're struggling. Everybody on the team is hurt. Pouncey's hurt. I can go on for days about who's on IR. We'll have to talk about that in another segment, maybe on another show. But Tannehill's going to start over Mariota. It's time for the Titans to move on. He's just been average, man. He's not making the plays that he should be playing. To, I mean, excuse me, should be making. He has to go. Jameis Winston has to go. If you'd watched the early Sunday game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Panthers, Jameis struggled. Yeah, he threw for 400 yards, but five interceptions. I don't want to hear that crap about not having an offensive line. There's a lot of dudes there in the NFL who don't have the greatest line. For example, Deshaun Watson, and he is playing great. Yes, he's getting hit a lot, but they, they made moves. They went and got Tunsil to try to protect him, and I know Tunsil can only protect on the left side of the line, so there's a lot of stuff you still have to do to improve the, the offensive line. But they're trying right now. The Tampa Buccaneers just are just struggling. They're just you know not in a good place right now. I think they have to move on from Winston. You know, built offensive line, built the secondary. They have two great wide receivers. You know, they got to get a running back. I don't think their running game is, you know, working for them right now. That's another thing. It's been okay, but it, it can be a lot better. So we'll continue to look for that. I want to get into my top performers from this past weekend in the college football world. C.D. Lamb, the receiver from Oklahoma, 10 catches, 171 yards, and three touchdowns. He was completely unstoppable. Like I said on the show before before this show, the Texas secondary is not good. They can't cover anyone, and rightfully so. C.D. Lamb did whatever he wanted to do. Excuse me if I butcher his name, but Israel Mukama, the corner from South Carolina, three interceptions, one of them returned for a touchdown, had a hell of a game, up to stock a little bit if he is drafted, which I think he is. So that would be important to see there. South Carolina upset Georgia 
on the road, man. I Georgia at home, I predicted Georgia to win. I believe we all predicted Georgia to win. We've seen how Alabama dismantled South Carolina, um, put up a lot of points, gave up a lot of points, but they did put up a lot of points. And it was a very convincing win for Alabama. It by any means was not close. Maybe that's how we're starting to see how Alabama has separated themselves from other teams in SEC. Georgia is now 5-1 and one out of the top four after that loss. An ugly loss. Jake Fromm played bad. Excuse me. Jake Fromm played bad. Struggled. Turned the ball over three three times. It just wasn't a good performance by the team overall, man. It's just I understand the defenses can play well, but when you have a quarterback of that caliber who's you know, looked at to be a first-round prospect, he has to play better. That's, it starts with the quarterback, and it just wasn't a good performance. LSU and Florida is another game I would like to recap. 42-28 LSU wins at home. Joe Burrow continues to just shock the world, man. His development as a quarterback under this new offense has just been fantastic. Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma won the Red River rivalry this year, 34-27. Jalen Hurts didn't play well, man. He played okay. I mean, the numbers can say he played great, but if you really watch the game, he didn't play that good, man. Holding the ball too long, and there's a lot of a lot of questions that I had about him coming into the season are slowly starting to become evident. Not saying he still can't be a first-round prospect, because I think that is not a conversation we you know need to have. But so many teams need a quarterback. At least five teams: the Bears, Buccaneers, the Titans, maybe the Raiders. The Chargers have to draft a quarterback at some point. There are a lot of teams, and even now, and I'll take the Chargers out, but there are a lot of teams now who are, you know, going to have to draft a guy, you know, for the future. So Jalen Hurts can get there, but I think the system he plays in, it's kind of hides his flaws. And Saturday, he was kind of exposed in a way, just holding the ball too long, making bad decisions, throwing, you know, throwing the balls late, stuff like that. Moving on to Notre Dame and USC. Like I predicted, this was a close game. I thought USC would play them tough, and they did. They lost 27-30. Still think Notre Dame is overrated, but, you know, by any means, they are a top 10 team. That one loss obviously became the Georgia. Obviously, they struggle with the top talent every year they play, but they're going to beat teams like this. They're not going to get into the playoff because that one loss they needed was, you know, the one win they needed to really prove themselves was Georgia. They'll be in the New Year's Six Bowl this year, but other than that, that's all this team. But they'll probably finish the season 10-1, 11-1, whatever. But that's all that would be as a New Year's Six Bowl team. They're not a playoff contending team, and they got to take themselves to the next level, win those big games. But congrats to them for getting the win here this weekend. Penn State and Iowa, another close game I predicted. I also got correct. Penn State wins 17-12 on the road. A slow, defensive, just hard-fought game like, we, like I expected. You know, not a lot of offense going here. But like I said, Penn State was the better team, man. It just, and it showed, talent took over late when it mattered the most. Made the plays they needed to make. Moving back to my um, my risers and my fallers. So starting with the risers, it has to be Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the LSU Tigers. Man, again, he just has the swag. He has the if factor. He's making the big throws in big-time games under the lights. Scouts are loving him. There's not much you can do. I actually seen a mock draft where instead for the first time, he was, instead of Tua being selected first, it was Joe Burrow being selected first. I don't think that'll happen. But, you know, again, when you're making mock drafts early in, in October, it's about what if and not what's really going to happen. When you start to see mock drafts later on into the year, it's about what you're starting to hear from scouts, what you're hearing from teams, what you actually believe is going to happen. Right now, all these mock drafts are like team need, you know, just literally just it's, it's like a joke. Just a what if. Do we really think Joe Burrow will go first overall? I mean, if he keeps playing like this, it's a huge possibility. You never know. Nobody thought Kyler would go first overall. Nobody thought Baker would go first overall. So crazy things like this have happened in the past. C.D. Lamb, man, he's continued to rise. 
He's been overshadowed by Rambo, the receiver on his team, and just overall, you know, Jalen Hurts coming over there. So he hasn't been getting the love that we were expecting him to get as a number one receiver now that Hollywood Brown is gone. But he's got a great catch radius, man. The yak yards, he's great after the catch. He's just get the ball in his hands. He just has a mentality that he's just always going to score when he has a football in his hand. And that's something the team loves. I hope he can get to a team like the Green Bay Packers who could really use a second wide receiver to, <clears throat> excuse me, to help out Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. That'd be a huge grab. Kenneth Murray, man, I said his name a few times in the past couple of shows, but again, his sideline and sideline speed, he just looks new and improved, bigger, stronger, faster, playmaking machine, man. He's just doing everything linebacker there. Michael Pittman, receiver from USC, if he had a better team and a better quarterback, we would hear more about him. It wouldn't just be, you know, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Tylen Wallace, whatever receivers, you know, top receivers you want to put in there, but... Michael Pittman has been playing great. He's improving as a route runner. He's not, you know, so limited now. He's running a lot more routes inside the route tree. He has great speed and ball skills. He has the ability to go track the ball, man. He just goes up and gets it. He's looking great. Javon Kinlaw, I believe I mentioned his name last show. If you haven't watched him, you missed another good game. D-tackle from South Carolina, man. The dude just is a natural freak. He's cut down on weight. He's moving faster. He's stronger. He just has a great motor. He's getting a lot of recognition because a lot of the plays that are popping up on social media or whatever, it's him running down ball carriers, making plays on the sideline, stuff like that. But also, he's showing you know a good first step on tape. He does a good job of converting his momentum and speed to power. He has multiple pass rush moves, you know, bull rush and swim moves. So it's not just a, a one-trick pony. He's doing a lot of good things, man. So those are my risers. Moving down, my fathers. This dude has really disappointed me all year and it's kind of sad because I was high on him coming on to the year because a lot of people thought he could have been a first round pick last year and you know like, like I said returning to school was a good idea but Justin Herbert quarterback from Oregon he's not playing terrible but he's not playing great a lot of people don't think he has you know the killer attitude and he lacks toughness a lot of scouts and you know people inside the Oregon program are calling him soft and that's also something that a lot of teams have got on Marcus Mariota about when he was there. You know, he's not the vocal guy. He's not like Jameis Winston, the vocal guy, the vocal leader. A lot of people didn't say Mariota lacks toughness, but they did think he was soft in the killer attitude. Maybe that's just something that these Oregon quarterbacks, you know, tend to have playing down there. And Eugene, who knows? But you can just tell when watching them. A good example was early on in the year, week one against Auburn. It was late in the fourth quarter. I think I, don't, I can't remember if Oregon was winning or if Auburn was winning, but it was a very, it was a very important drive. They needed their starting quarterback out there, and he went down. And it wasn't by any means any serious injury because he came back in the very next play. It's just little stuff like that. When your team needs you, you got to find a way to tough stuff out. You know, that's when they say well, he's lacking toughness. It's just little stuff like that that you can notice that he just doesn't have that he has to gain in order to you know to get his name back in the first round conversation. I'm not saying his name's out of the first round conversation, but if he continues to just look average and okay, he's going to fall out of the first round maybe. Then again, you never know. Like like I talked talked about earlier, there's so many teams who need a quarterback. Excuse me, but Justin Herbert has the size. He's 6'6". He's what, 230, 235. He can move. He has, he reminds me of Cam Newton, but with a better arm. I mean, he's more precise with his throws. He's, you know, better passer than Cam Newton is, but he doesn't like. He doesn't have the killer attitude Cam Newton has. Doesn't have the, the toughness Cam Newton has. But as far as traits go, that that would be my comparison is Cam Newton. Just the way he now he's not obviously the runner Cam Newton is or was. But as far as like height and size and athletic ability goes, he's you know can kind of be thought of as Cam Newton. Those things have to change. He's been outplayed. He's been outplayed by Tua Tagovailoa. It's not close. He's the best quarterback in the country. He's being outplayed by Joe Burrow. Again, man, I, Jake Fromm has played better than Herbert, in my opinion. He just has to play better. Same thing with my next father, Jacob Easton, quarterback from Washington. 
I was very huge on him coming in. We haven't seen him play football in, what, two seasons? He, you know, got injured at Georgia, lost his job to Jake Fromm, transfers over to Washington, sits out last year. He's playing this year, and he just looks great against the easy, you know, the the, the not-so-good competition. But when he played USC and Stanford, he struggled. Um, you know, people fall in love with him like they do with, with Herbert, you know, because of the traits, the size, the arm talent. But He's just, he's no, I don't think he's there yet. I think he needs to return to school for his senior year just, you know, to get better, to continue to grow. And next year, who knows? The QB class is not going to be that strong. It's going to be, what, 2021 Trevor Lawrence. And then, obviously, after him, it's going to be everybody else. So, returning to school would not be a bad idea for Jacob Beast. And I just think that he's just, you know, to finish off the season, he has to continue to improve, get better. You know, the mental makeup, same thing Herbert struggles with is the mental aspect of things. People just don't think they have that or they're there yet. And that's something coming into the NFL. You have to have that mentality. You know, you can't, you can't have a weak mind of playing the quarterback position coming into the NFL because you will not last. This is something you, you can't teach it. You have it or you don't. And that's just something right now. I don't think either one of those guys have. And going back on the Herbert, man, their schedule is tough. They have a lot of tough games in the Pac-12 conference play starting up. So it's going to be brutal. So if Herbert can perform well against these really tough schedule that he has to face, you know, and continue to grow. Scouts will, you know, maybe change their mind and the opinions they have on him right now. My next faller, Jake Fromm, man, terrible performance, three interceptions. I mean, some of these balls, man, I mean, dudes were just in the right place at the right time. But, you know, at least two of them in my eyes were just bad throws. Maybe one of them should have been caught, but, you know, tipped in the air. But again, it's just we didn't see the decision making, you know, because Jake Farm was a good decision maker. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't make mistakes. Complete opposite from we've seen this past weekend. He just didn't look himself. So I think that, you know, he has to be one of my followers after the performance he just had. Moving on to my top five NFL teams. Actually, it's not even five. Excuse me. It's actually seven. But coming in at number one, the New England Patriots 6-0. This can be, I don't want to say this can be misguided, but it kind of can be misguided. They haven't played anybody yet. Their toughest opponent has been probably the Buffalo Bills defensive game. Their offense is what scares me. They're, they're number one because every year, I don't care how bad the offense can look or how bad the defense can look, the Patriots just find ways to win. That's why they have six Super Bowls. Dude, they have the greatest quarterback of all time. So you can never count these dudes out. Until Tom Brady and Belichick are gone, then maybe we will you know, say they're not Super Bowl contenders, but as of right now, they're always going to be Super Bowl contenders. The offense has just been average. It's been okay. Brady hasn't looked the best. You know, we've, he looked better last year to start the year. I know people are waiting for him to fall off that cliff and, you know, not be here anymore, but maybe we're seeing, you know, the, the, lack end of his, the back end of his career. He's not playing, you know, the way he was playing last year. He, not, he didn't play great by any stretch last year, but he played good all throughout the year. And then Watching the Thursday night game against the Giants, he's just missed on some throws, man. Just small things we're not used to seeing Tom Brady doing, he's starting to do. So maybe age is kicking in, who knows. Moving on to number two, the San Francisco 49ers. 5-0, this team is the real deal. They are legit. I'm still not 100% sold on Jimmy Garoppolo, but you have to love the defense. I believe they're ranked like second in every defense like category behind the Patriots. So they're just doing everything, man. They can run the hell out of the football. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. It doesn't matter. Their biggest loss is going to be Kyle Juszczyk, but it doesn't matter, man. They're going to just throw another fullback or tight end back there and just punch you in the mouth. It'd be interesting to see this team, if they do get to the Super Bowl, to play the Patriots, both teams. That'd be a very interesting matchup. Kyle Shanahan versus Belichick. Garoppolo versus Brady, you know, backing up. That'd be a kind of a cool story, actually. But again, the 49ers are legit, man. They beat the Rams on the road, and I, the Rams are struggling. I don't know what's going on there. Man. They can't run the football. The offensive line's not good, but... The Jalen Ramsey trade, you know, that, again, that's not going to fix everything. And it's something they had to do, you know, obviously with Marcus Peters being traded away to the Ravens. But 
Again, the offensive line play hasn't been good. Your quarterback hasn't looked great. It's, you know, again, looks like McVay is being outcoached at some time. So I still think they're just, you know, adjusting to new life. Moving on to number three, the New Orleans Saints. They just continue to find ways to win without Drew Brees. Five and one. Teddy Bridgewater, I believe it was 13 to six was the final score against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. Bridgewater's just playing good, man. He's not playing terrible. He's just doing what he has to do to get wins. And that's all they got to keep doing is rolling in wins until Drew Brees comes back. And this is why I think they're going to be... If it's not the 49ers, man, it could be the Saints to come out of the NFC. Who knows? If coming out at number four, the team that could come out of the NFC, the NFC actually kind of owns this list here. But number four, the Green Bay Packers, 5-1, and one, won a close win against the Detroit Lions. I truly appreciate that because they won me some money by not getting the end zone late in that game. If you bet at the under, you would truly understand. But however, this game could have, should have gone on. I won't say the Packers shouldn't have won, but... Two bad calls here, man. Those illegal hands to the face, dude. These referees are terrible. All of them are reason why I think referees need to be full-time because they're kind of costing teams games or they're making terrible calls and they have the ability to replay pass interference. I think, man, you can't go back and replay every controversial call because it's going to slow the game down and it'll piss fans off. But the refs are just not being good. Just bad calls in this game that have kind of, you know, moved the Packers down the field late in the game and to get that game with a field goal. But... Again, I'm not going to blame the games on the refs, but at the same time, you kind of have to. Because if you watch a game every week, you can say the refs caused the loss. They're just, the, the refing is that terrible. But on the other end, the job is so hard. They're out here refing with the naked eye, so you're not going to catch everything. And I, I, people who, we all criticize them, but I guarantee if we were to go out there and go referee these games, we would probably make the same mistakes. I mean, it's one thing to watch the game from your couch and see it immediately. And it's one thing to be out there and actually doing it, you know. So to, to be out there, you got you have to give them credit for even, you know, put themselves in that in this position. But if you're gonna be, you know, considered a professional NFL referee, I feel like you have to be on top of everything all the time. There's certain plays where you'll be there, you know, be a holding call in the end zone or like let's say a pass interference, and the ref closest to the holding or the pass interference call is not the ref throwing the flag. It's the ref, you know, the back job way far away. So it's stuff like that. Like, how come the referee closest to the call can't make the play, whereas the referee farthest away makes the call? And there's always some type of misconception. If you're watching these these games, you will hear the commentators say, oh, you know, like they have an old referee in here. Or, they're, you know, they'll have an old referee in the booth talking about what should have happened, how it should have happened, what the call should be. And then what the actual call is, is completely different than what they said so it's stuff like that this is why they have to figure out a median you know make these dudes full-time and the offseason make them go back and watch every single bad call they miss coach them up on why that call needs to be called a certain way you know get feedback why did you call it this way stuff like that but they just have to get it better because once the playoffs start man we don't want another incidents of the rams and the saints where the, the horrible blatant pass interference call is not called it's cost the team a super bowl appearance Again, we've been robbed of the Saints been in the Super Bowl for almost two straight seasons. The, the year before the the Vikings situation happened, that's not on the referees. That's just, you know, on the Saints, you know, not playing their coverage right. And then this past season, the Rams and Saints situation, the past in France, there's just a lot of stuff that goes on that they have to get fixed. But moving on to number five, the Seattle Seahawks, man. Five and one. Russell Wilson, again, is just doing everything with with less you know he's just like Dan Marino 2.0 Marino had a lot of offensive weapons but he didn't have a defense just using that as an example not saying that you know Russell has the weapons Marino had or the defense he didn't have but he may win MVP this year man if you have had to go back and look at the MVP and we'll get into that a little later but he's just doing everything man his two receivers Tyler Lockett DK Metcalf he is just finding ways to get these dudes to ball I mean they went into Cleveland another average team but and they just win man they came down from behind win the game 
He's he's first in touchdowns. He's, I think he's what first in passer rating. No interceptions. He's just doing everything right now. And I think with Mahomes being injured and Watson going in, you know, to KC to beat the Chiefs on Sunday, that kind of moves Watson above Mahomes and Wilson above Mahomes. But again, we'll get into the MVP a little later. Moving on to number six, the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson is special. In my opinion, man, I'm ready to have that bait that he is the best young quarterback in the NFL. It's, it's, that may be a hot take because Patrick Mahomes is special, but when you just watch this dude play, man, he's just simply incredible, and he doesn't have the offensive line that half these dudes have. He does have the receiver, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Wolf Fuller, so he is looking good. Man, the run game has been coming on. Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson are a really, really good one-two punch. That Duke Johnson trade was huge for them. Coming in at number seven, the Kansas City Chiefs at four and two. They're at seven simply because Mahomes is clearly banged up. The ankle's not 100%. Coming into a short week against a different team who has a lot of momentum. The over and under for this game is like 50 and a half points. I'm definitely taking the under because I don't think that if it's a shootout, Denver's going to put up enough points to win this game. But again, the Chiefs are hurt. Mahomes is banged up and they're coming off. You know, these Bronco fans, are they have a lot of hype in their head. You beat a Chargers team who is, let's be honest, my Chargers suck right now. We may end up being the worst team division. But not not taking anything away from the Broncos, just being honest. You beat the Chargers, the schedule, you know, we just, we're just not good, right? Then you beat a Tennessee team who you have two quarterbacks who are beyond average in Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota. If they had a quarterback, this team could probably be a Super Bowl contender. The Titans have everything they need to have to compete for at least multiple playoffs. The AFC Championship run, they got their head coach in variable. They have the defense. They have the running game. They have some good young solid receivers. They just literally don't have a quarterback. If they don't draft a quarterback in this year's draft, man, they're doing something wrong. And it's going to be interesting to see where they land because, you know, if they, you know, maybe win six, seven games, maybe the top quarterbacks that they want are not there. And fans may have a lot to say if they take another Oregon quarterback, Justin Herbert, and he pans out just like Marcus Mariota or worse. Who knows? And it might, I just I have a feeling that Joe Burrow will be the guy to fall to the Tennessee Titans. I don't know what it is. I just think that he would be the one dude – that's just available whenever the Titans are choosing, man. And who knows? Burrow is, you know, rising so incredibly fast that he may not be out of the top five, dude. Depending on, you know, depending on what teams are picking. For instance, if it's like the Bengals, the Dolphins, uh, I don't think the Bears. I think the Bears are drafted quarterback. They won't be choosing inside the top five. But teams like the Bengals and the Dolphins, it'd be interesting to see because if the Dolphins, you know, for some reason come in at number two or wherever they are but if they're behind the Bengals and the Bengals take Tua the Dolphins must really have to do a lot of work to either like Herbert excuse me or Burrow so that'd be interesting to see but back to the Chiefs they're a hurt team right now the offensive line has not been great Cam Robinson's out there left tackle he is struggling and teams have found out a method if you want to beat the Chiefs at home on the road just run the damn football the Colts did it, dominated up front. The Texans, you know, managed the clock. That, that's how you got to beat these dudes, man. Keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands because even when he's not 100%, the dude makes incredible plays. That throw he made to Tyree Kill over two defenders to go into the end zone. It was a free play. Somebody had jumped off sides and they just ran it down there anyway. Just little stuff like that. But you got to find ways to, one, force him to make turnovers. And I, mean, I believe Mahomes did have an interception in that game, which shouldn't have been an interception. Another horrible offensive pass interference, or wasn't offensive pass interference. I think it was either defensive holding or pass interference that should have been called that wasn't called because the ball technically wasn't thrown in that receiver's area. Again, with the horrible referees. I mean, I, I have a feeling that the Denver and Chiefs game will be closer than we expect just because the, the Chiefs are a hurt team. They're not playing great. Um, Mahomes, I wouldn't say Mahomes has had two bad games. I think the team has had two bad games. If I had to say he had one 
okay game. I probably was that game against the Colts. He didn't play terrible against the Texans. Look at the numbers. Go watch the game. He looked pretty solid. They just got to figure out ways, you know, to keep him upright, not get him hit anymore, and to find a way to win. Because now that that whole home foot advantage thing you like to play with the Patriots, it may be over now. Last year you got it, you know, and they went into KC and won. And that's the thing that doesn't matter to the Patriots. It doesn't matter where they play, who they play. They're just going to go in, get the damn job done, and just go into the Super Bowl. That's what they do. So you're sitting here at 4-2 with the Patriots sitting here at 6-0. And the Patriots, man, I think they are just flawed in so many ways. The defense, again, I talked about it, has been great, but the offense has been lackluster. The Chiefs, the best team in the division, but the Raiders are just quietly sitting with, what, 3-2 and two right behind them? So it's not like this Raider team's in a scrub, and I will continue to say it. I predicted the Raiders to have a, a good year. I like the draft ahead. I like the offseason ahead, minus the Antonio Brown situation. They're just finding ways to win, man. Josh Jacobs has my vote for rookie of the year, although, man, Kyler Murray has been turning it on. If you didn't watch his game against the Falcons on Sunday, please go back and watch it because he looked incredible. That's another thing we'll also talk about is the Falcons and how disappointing they are. But moving on to my MVP picks. I know I talked about this on last show, but I haven't up, you know, updated it now. Coming in at number one, it has to be Russell Wilson. We talked about how incredible he's been. Number two, it has to be Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. He's literally looking just fantastic. Number three, it has to be Patrick Mahomes. He's doing everything, even with a bum ankle. Four, it has to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean... Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, could possibly be over one of these quarterbacks, but the MVP is a quarterback-driven award. I know when people think viable, they think about the most viable person to their team, but a running back is never going to be more viable than a quarterback, for instance, like Christian McCaffrey is this Carolina Panthers offense, with or without Cam Newton. He's taking 99% of the snaps. As a running back, that is hard to do, so my, my biggest concern with that is that he's not going to be able to last and you guys burn him out, you know, you get him for four to five years and then he's just beat up because he's taking 99% of snaps. As a running back, you can't do that. Either find a guy who can come in and spare him some snaps because there's no way with the position, you know, the life is, I can't remember exactly the exact, you know, life of running back, but it's it's not long, man. They play maybe four to five years on average, maybe is my guess, maybe less than that, but he's taking a lot of hits. He's touching the ball a lot. So again, if you're going to be feeding him the ball so much, you got to find ways to spell him, kind of what the Rams are trying to do with Gurley. And then the Tether situation is way different because McCaffrey's not hurt, you know, really is. They have kind of have to spell Gurley. But again, the MVPs, those have to be the top four right now. I think this is the year Russell Wilson actually wins the MVP. He's just playing better than any quarterback right now. Deshaun Watson, man, he, in my opinion right now, he looks better. At least on Sunday, he looked better than Mahomes. I'm not ready. To, I mean, I'm ha- I can have the debate, but he's... It, we can debate that him and Mahomes are the two best young quarterbacks. They're both better than Carson Wentz, both better than Dak Prescott, both better than Jared Goff. Just imagine the contract Watson's going to get. You know, imagine the contract that Mahomes is going to get. Mahomes could possibly be the first $200 million man. And the, another thing I wanted to touch on was the, the disappointing teams in this year. And this, this segment will probably end the show, but... The most disappointing teams. Just a couple of teams I want to touch on. The Atlanta Falcons. I don't know how they got so bad so fast. They were a couple years removed from, you know, obviously in the Super Bowl. They, they lost, but they made it. And the team just, I don't know what, what's going on. Dan Quinn may not make it past the bye week, dude. He has to go. He's done a poor job. After Shanahan left, this offense has clearly not been the same. We all expected that. You know, they were trying to bring in other guys. But he hasn't done a good job of bringing in coordinators. You know, and for him to be a defensive coach, what he did with the Seahawks before he got this Falcon job, he was a hell of a defensive coach. Their defense is the complete opposite now. They are terrible. Kyler Murray did whatever they wanted to do on, on Sunday, man. I actually was kind of pissed off watching that game because I had money on the game, and they were so close to winning it. 
At least, at least I'm gonna say winning it, but going into overtime, they get down there and miss a kick. But they just can't stop anybody. When they need to stop the most, man, it's just not there. The week before, they give up 50 to the Texans. What 52? I think the score was. Is what they gave up. It's a little stuff like that, man. Another disappointing team. It has to be the Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion. So much talent is on this team. You got your quarterback. You got your defense. The secondary is what really is bugging. They, they, they're just. That's the most exciting thing, and I excited. That's the most disturbing thing to me is that they haven't made any moves i think if it was one team who needed to trade for Jalen ramsey it needed to be the eagles because yeah the rams needed them but i think the eagles needed them way more they stefan diggs and adam thielen did whatever they wanted to do. they make kirk cousins look like this mvp candidate do like they made him just look outstanding and he's not he's just an average dude average quarterback man he's just they made him look great the eagles got to find out what they ended so they're you know on their behalf they're three and three tied for first place with their next game coming against the cowboys so you know, for them, don't get don't get discouraged because they can easily win that game against the Cowboys to a team. We'll talk about after this, but you beat that team, you're four and three. You know, you lead the division, so it doesn't matter how ugly it is, but you're leading it. So obviously, the next disappointing team it has to be the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the first what two three weeks of the season, everybody was talking about how important Dak has played, how good he's looked, and it's just ever since then, man, they just start playing tougher competition, and it's just not the same thing. That loss to the Packers was horrible. He looked you know bad in that game. The loss to the Jets. Nobody expected them to lose to the Jets. So many people had, you know, bet they were going to win. You know, they were set seven-point favorites, and they didn't win. To a team that obviously is better with Sam Darnold, there's no way you can sit here and think that the Jets are better than the Cowboys because they're simply not. Zeke had a good game. The defense just couldn't get a stop when they needed, man. There's just Kellen Moore. The offense is clearly slowed down. We were all hyped about what they did to the, the obviously, the sorry teams in the division in the NFL. And, Looks like teams, you know, got a little more tape on them. Whatever the situation is, I don't know. But they're clearly struggling. My last most disappointing team, it has to be my Chargers. Well, I'm not going to blame everything on injuries because, again, this is a thing for the Chargers every year. Like, everybody's hurt. There's always that one key guy that goes down. This year, the most important one had to be Derwin James, you know, with a foot injury before the season started. Russell Okun, you know, battling the blood clots, so the left tackle play has been piss poor. And it has been great when he was there, but it was solid when he was there. He was okay. Pouncey's on IR now with the neck injury. Who knows when he's going to play, if he gets to play football again. I don't think it's going you know, to be that serious. Hunter Henry came back. That game against Steelers, he balled out. The offensive line play is just bad, man. And then Touching on Melvin Gordon, dude, he held out, you know, for money that we knew he knew he was never going to get. And he comes back and it's just a non-factor. And it's not all on him. The offensive line play is terrible. But there, there are backs in the NFL right now who don't have an offensive line. And in past years, you know, Barry Sanders, for one, never had an offensive line. And look what he did. Not comparing Gordon to Sanders, but, you know, just an example. Currently, Saquon Barkley doesn't have a great offensive line. And when he's healthy, he's the best back in football. And I believe he's actually going to return this week. So that would be something to look forward to. But... The Chargers got to find a way to do something. I might again. I said it last show and the show before. My playoff expectations for this team went out the window a very long time ago. Once the Derwin James injury happened, then the Russell Okun thing, then the Gordon Holder. I just knew this team wasn't going to be the team that won 13 games last year and make the playoffs. There's a huge chance that this team is going to be the last in the division, and that sucks and hurts to say. But the way the Broncos have won the past two games, the Raiders are three and two. The Chiefs are the best team in the division, a top seven team in football, in my opinion. So. We're not going to make the playoffs. In my opinion, I've already started to look forward to the NFL draft. Um, that's just the way the season has gone. Phillip Rivers, man, it's he's a Hall of Famer, but he just, man, it's, the way that Steelers game ended, we're down seven, had a chance to come down and, and you know, at least try to get a chance to score. 
I, I get we got to take shots, but when you're forcing throws in, man, the same thing you did against the Lions game, forcing throws in a place that don't need to be forced. And, you know, it's, I won't say it's costing us games, but it, it, it did lose us the game. At least, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to continue to try to score because you're just throwing the game away. And then the whole incident after the game of him grabbing the dude and shoving him, whatever that stupid situation was. But that is going to end today's show. Don't forget to, if you're whatever platform you're listening on to it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever, leave a review. Don't, don't you know, be afraid to share or like, leave a comment, whatever it is. You know, any questions or concerns that you would like, anything you want to hear from me, just leave it in the comment section. I'll feel free to touch on it. Thank you, and I'll see you guys next time.